Three, two, one. What's going on, everyone? It's Cola Cruz, and you're listening to the KC at the Mivvies podcast. Happy New Year. How are you doing? Hope the uh, the New Year celebrations were good. Um, yeah, we've, uh, we're taking a bit of a, uh, a break. Um, after the horror October uh, recap, things got a little crazy. Uh, we had to, yeah. We got we got very busy. Well, I got very busy. Um, not long after that was my birthday, and then after that was December. I mean, you know, crazy December gets. So instead of putting out a, a belated uh, horror October recap, what I thought I'd do is I just jump straight back in. Um, what I thought I'd do is I just return with a list, uh, a list podcast. But I'm doing things a little differently this time around. I'm going to do, because because I consumed, again, because 2021 was such a weird year and such a, uh, you know, a year where we were all stuck inside once again, um, for the half of the year anyway, but I'd call that majority. I watched a lot of things, uh, TV shows, movies, miniseries, uh, a lot of stuff, and um, I thought it'd be a bit too, putting it all into one thing would be a bit too long and just because I wanted to do things a little differently, I wanted to split this into two parts. So this part will be about uh, the miniseries, the TV shows and just some movies that didn't quite make the shortlist um, of my top films of the year. And um, in part two, I'll be doing that as a proper YouTube video. So returning to the YouTube video format and instead of doing a Everything I Watch segment, Starting that off, starting the year off nice and fresh with a top 10 films podcast with some honorable mentions to go with it. But this time around, like I said, we're just going to be talking about the TV shows and just the shortlisted movies and some other things that I've uh, watched this month as well. So without further ado, let's let's start off with uh, the Marvel, the Marvel stuff. So to kick things off, I want to just talk about the Marvel TV shows that premiered this year. They're a part of the MCU, but they are TV shows, about eight to six episodes. And speaking of WandaVision, that was probably one of my favorite ones. So we had WandaVision, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, and Hawkeye. Those are the shows we had. And out of all of those, I think I liked WandaVision the most, but a close second would be Loki, just because of how different it was. And, and I actually enjoyed pretty much all the episodes of that show. WandaVision, I kind of fell off in the last two episodes, but uh, Loki was uh, just such a breath of fresh air. I mean, Tom Hiddleston's great at playing that character as well, and the kind of, they had, really had to do like a speed run development kind of thing for him, so it was um, interesting to see how they tackled that. Um, some of the stuff didn't really work. I'm not getting get into what didn't work, but um, yeah, some of the stuff didn't really gel that much, but I really enjoyed what, uh, what else they had in store at the end of the series as well. Um, and then the, probably my least favorite one would probably be the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It just felt very bland. Um, like we've seen all this stuff before. I do like grounded action and grounded, um, MCU stuff, but sometimes they can go in the direction of being bland and kind of boring. So I felt like, uh, Falcon, uh, yeah, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier show kind of went in that direction and you know, for the worse, really. Um, you know, Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie were great, but the storyline itself, I thought, were a little muddled. We're focusing on one thing and then we had this kind of subplot, which was the main plot, then it becomes a subplot and I just thought it was pretty fucking messy and, and, and in the end, it didn't really grab me that much. Hawkeye, however, was a really fun uh, holiday event. 
the first episode was fine, but it was just all the characters trying to find their ground, trying to, trying to set, um, you know, the um, the groundwork for the story. Um, Kate Bishop's character development, um, establishing the character of Kate Bishop, establishing why Hawkeye can't really go home uh, for Christmas. And then every single, I think after two, every single episode after that, as soon as you get to the, the without like, spoiling it too much, the, uh, the car chase in three, from then on, I thought the show, every single episode after that was better than the last. I liked all the little surprises we got in there as well without spoiling it. Um, I liked all the little surprises we got there and as, as well. And look, I liked the chemistry between Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld. I'm really excited for Haley Steinfeld to be, I mean, to see more of her Kate Bishop. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a fun uh, series. And um, although I did like the likes of WandaVision and Loki better... I thought it was just a fun, solid, um, kind of like a long movie, kind of, like a long Hawkeye movie. And um, I, uh, yeah, I really, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And um, then we had Black Widow came out. So in terms of Phase 4, we had uh, Black Widow come out as well, which, I mean, you guys have heard my thoughts on Black Widow on my YouTube channel. Didn't like it that much. Really, really didn't like it. Um but then after Black Widow, we had Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And I thought that was pretty, pretty fun. I liked Simu Liu as um, Shang-Chi or Sean. I liked Aquafina as Katie. I liked their chemistry together as well. And uh, the action itself, um, watching a lot of that um, stunt memory act on the Corridor Digital channel, uh, I liked some of the, I really liked the action in the movie as well. Uh, up until again it does fall into that trap of third act cgi marvel first but there were enough interesting things in the third act i think to keep me engaged although i really did prefer the uh grounded martial arts but you know that's just that's just my taste but that all that being said i still had a lot of fun with the movie and um i mean i can't wait to see uh shang chi again i mean and how they did the mandarin i think was really well really well done i like tony leong um, and where they're going as well with this post credit scene. Is that going to be a TV show or something? I'm, I'm not too sure, but... Um, yeah, pretty keen to find out. And I think that does it all for the Marvel stuff. If we want to talk more Marvel stuff, uh, that will be talked about in the YouTube video because um, there's a lot more to say with the uh, the latter <laughs> releases uh, of, the, of the year. So I'm going to move on to miniseries. Um, I watched quite a few. I didn't watch like everything. I couldn't really watch everything anyway. But um, And there's never going to be a time when I'm going to be able to watch everything. But I checked out a quite a few. And I want to highlight quite a few I've got here. Um, first, I want to just highlight um, just for its weirdness and boldness alone, brand new cherry flavor on uh, Netflix. Rosa Salazar, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of her. I'm a fan of uh, um, her work and um, her, I think it's the name that's Lisa, the character. Um, I was on board with that story um, and how, <laughs> and just how weird that gets, especially with Catherine Keener's character. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I, like, I didn't, I, like, I didn't love it, but it, it got weird and I was a fan of the weird. I'll tell you that, that, that one scene in the, uh, the motel. Uh, I was uh, I was a fan of that. Um, so if you want something like just really odd um, about um, a filmmaker trying to find her footing in, in Hollywood, you know, you've seen, the, seen this before, but the way it's done in this show, um, I haven't seen anything 
like this, like a witch in Hollywood. It's just interesting, and um, uh, I liked how they how they did it. And then the uh, the kind of the little twist that uh, I think episode five um, was interesting as well. Um, but yeah, Brandon Show flavor, good stuff. Uh, and I also watched. Um, now I did. Check out uh, Mike Flanagan's next joint, which is uh, Midnight Mass. Uh, one of my favorite series of the whole year was was Midnight Mass. Just everything about it the uh, the religious aspect of it, uh, the uh, well, sorry, the religious aspect of it, uh, the horror when that comes in. I liked all that as well. The characters, especially the characters, um, Sarah Fassan, played by Rara Coley, um, Father Paul, played by Hamish Linklater. Hamish Linklater, man, he is. He is incredible in this show, and I really was just enamored by his work. Um, and I, f- I forget the act- actor who plays Bev, but villain of the year. I've got to say that. Villain of the year is Bev from uh, Midnight Mass. And, um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to do a podcast, like a whole podcast itself in Midnight Mass, because there is a lot to unpack from this show, and um, I want to talk about it with a bunch of other um, films and uh, sorry and I want to just highlight it and focus on it um, just in on its own thing because there's just lots of unpack from the show and um, I really really engaged with it uh, this year and there was a lot of talk around it as well a lot of my mates seen it my family saw it and um, Mike Flanagan I uh, the fall of the house usher I think is the next thing he's making so interested and excited to see that. And my uh, second favorite uh, miniseries of, of the year goes to Pretend It's a City, which was on Netflix. And it's about uh, Fran Leibowitz, who is a, lot, a writer. I think she's a writer. Uh, has a lot of commentary on today as well, I'll tell you that. Uh, so pretty much she sits down. It's over six episodes. She sits down with uh, filmmaker Martin Scorsese. I mean, there's no need to even introduce that man. You, everyone knows who Martin Scorsese is, but... Uh, she sits down with him and just talks about different topics, um, you know, in, in today's world. Um, there's one about sports, there's one about art, um, you know, et cetera. There's a, there's a lot of things that she talks about. I enjoyed her views on certain things. Um, there's a wonderful scene where they're going over, um, I think it's throughout the series, but they're going over like this huge miniature of New York City itself. And it's just beautiful. It's beautiful to look at. Um, but mostly I just enjoyed her insights. Um, there's a great scene. I mean, you're not going to agree with everything that she has to say, but, uh, there's a great scene with Spike Lee on the sports episode, which, (laughs) which I enjoyed because I agreed with both parties. So I found myself in both camps when they're talking about that, but, uh, you know, Fran herself is just, is very, very funny. And, um, I'm, I'm thinking about picking up one of her books because, um, I just enjoyed what she had to say. So if you just want like different insights on things in New York City or a life in New York City or um, just life in general and, and in terms of, uh, like I said, just, just different topics, uh, pretend it's a city on Netflix. There's seven episodes, my bad. There's seven episodes, not six. Uh, there's seven episodes, my bad. There is seven episodes, not six. Um, but yeah, it's on Netflix. It's very quick. I think each episode is about half an hour long too. Um but if you just want something to, you know, chuck on while you're kind of on the aid or you want a puzzle or something, I thought I think this is a great um, form of uh, entertainment. But moving on to what is pretty much my, I mean, my favorite miniseries of the year, one of my favorite shows of the year, just hands down, uh, is Mayor of Easttown. 
the HBO miniseries that stars Kate Winslet, um, Evan Peters, um, Kaylee Spaney. Oh, and and uh, Guy Pearce at a certain point as well. This was really good <laughs> without even, you know, talking in you know professional terms or anything. I just thought it was really, really good. It was really well executed. Um, I love a small town mystery, so it was easy to get me on board with this show. But Kate Winslet um, as mayor was one of my favorite characters this year. And I enjoyed her story. I enjoyed her um, development and just, man, like it's such a, it's such a gripping show because something happens halfway through and then you're just like, oh, where are you going to go now? And then it goes where you don't think it's going to go. And then, oh man, it's just a really, really fucking good show. Really fucking good show. Um, Craig Zobel, Craig Zobel, I believe was the, um, and if you've recognized that white name before, it's because he has worked on films like Compliance, The Hunt. The Hunt, not so much, but Compliance, I think, is a underseen independent gem, which is, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's a quite harrowing film, but I think necessary. And um, it's, um, and again, just a great performance in that movie from Jim Dreamer Walker. But back to Mayor of Easttown, this is, uh, it's just a really, really, excellent mystery like i said i'm a fan of small town mystery and i'm a fan of detective stories i like noir stuff i like neo-noir stuff and mysteries that are done like this and so well done in terms of character in terms of being a character study i haven't even mentioned gene smart in the show as well as uh, mayor's mother who is also just phenomenal and unfortunately i wasn't be able to show i wasn't i wasn't uh, i wasn't able to catch her show hacks but I've, I've heard that's a great show as well. So, you know, I'll check that out eventually. But Mirror of Easttown, it's one of the best shows of the year, in my opinion. It was my favorite miniseries I watched this year, and I cannot recommend it anymore. It premiered on HBO Max this year, so um, anyway, you want to get to that, uh, watch it through there. Uh, if you're Australian, do not watch it through Binge, because Binge fucking sucks. Don't watch it through Binge. Um, I cannot... The, the problems I've had with that fucking platform the last fucking few weeks is just ridiculous. Um, just a terrible service. All right. Let's move on to some TV. Um, I, yeah, I watched a lot of TV as well this year, um, but I'm just going to go through these pretty quickly. Uh, like, I'll talk about some ones that I, pretty, I really want to talk about, but... Um, I'll give some brief like uh, comments on the, the shows that really grabbed me, but most of these I'm just going to go through pretty quickly. But I want to start with uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine Season 8. was a, uh, a very fitting and satisfying finale, especially for the if you're, fan, if you're a fan of the show, you pretty much got exactly what you wanted to get in those, uh, that last season, especially that finale. And um, it was pretty much... Look, I didn't. I wouldn't say I was like surprised by anything. It was what I expected, but again, I found it pretty satisf- satisfying for the show itself. For and if you're a fan of the show, like it just ticks all the boxes. So I thought it was a great. Uh, I thought it was a good send off. Going to miss the show, but also, ha- like you know, I think it ended where it needed to. So, uh, Ted Lasso season two was also just great great television um i i thought it was better than season one i know a lot of people have different opinions but i thought it was better than season one i think jason sudeikis was on fire um him and waddingham was on fire juno tempo was on fire 
Uh, Brett Goldstein was on fire. Um, it was just a really... And just the stuff with the therapist, with Ted, and... Oh, man, that funeral episode was uh, was just so good. Because it's always fun seeing Ted and, um, you know, him being really optimistic and very upbeat all the time. But I think this season gave him a lot of great development. Because um, it starts off by... It's like a trap. Like, you're... You're watching the show, you're enjoying it, and then you get season two, especially in the middle middle uh, bits of season two, the middle part, um, the episode where Ted's talking about his father while playing the dart game, and then um, and then he sees and then his conversation with his therapist, uh, yeah, was um, pretty sad. And then the after hours type episode um, with Beard, I thought was good. I liked it. It was a fun little offshoot. I had a little fun with it. So, yeah, Ted Lasso Season 2, love the show, can't wait for Season 3. I think this is the last one they said, so I'd be, I'd be happy with it being the last, but it's been a great show. Um, it got me back into football, <laughs> so um, I'm back on bloody EPL again, so um, well done, Ted Lasso Season 2. And uh, we also had Mythic Quest Season 2. I'm late to the game Mythic Quest, I'll be honest. Um, I didn't watch it from the beginning. But I caught up on all of it this year and watched both seasons of Mythic Quest and another excellent show from Rob McKelleny, in my opinion. Episode 5 of season 1 is just amazing. Just amazing. With Jake Johnson and Kristen Milley, uh, just amazing. And then episode 6 of season 2 was just also just great as well. Um, I'm trying to find different words instead of fucking really good, but that's all I can really come up with at the moment. I like how Mythic Quest just kind of like dives into like the, uh, you know, the game development side, even like sides that we don't even think of when we're thinking about game development. And I've heard from a lot of game developers that Mythic Quest is quite accurate. Um, I myself, obviously not a game developer, so I wouldn't know what is accurate, what is not. Um, but, you know, I, I, I play video games. I, I know a bit of the industry and... Um, like, it, it looks like making a video game is hard. <laughs> like, it is it is challenging. There's a lot of budding egos, and the show definitely has that, um, With uh, especially with um, Ian and Poppy, um, who, again, Poppy, man. I've got to shout out um, Aussie actress uh, Charlotte Nickdow. I think it's Nickdow. Nickdow. I'm sorry if I'm butchering that last name, but... Um, yeah, she is fantastic. You are fantastic if you're, if you're even listening to this, but you are fantastic in the show. Um, my favorite character by far is Poppy. And just all the interactions that she has, with, especially with Ian, um, and just like, her own stuff as well. Um, her own character, her own ego getting in the way of a lot of things. And, but I've, um, but anyway, I've talked about this show long enough. Um, if you, if you haven't even have any concerns about it, it is pretty much. It's always sunny, but in the video game industry, because it's a lot of the same, uh, not like a lot of the same characters. The characters are quite different in terms of in in terms of the personalities, but they're all very narcissistic people. They're all like it's that kind of humor. And if you're not down with that, you're not down with that. But if you are down with that, it's a great show, in my opinion. And I, are they getting doing? Are they doing season three? I hope so. Um, like I'm fine with it ending when if they want to. If Rob McKellen thinks it's going to end soon, yes, definitely do that. But um, I'd love a season three, especially I'd love a season three. Um, and that's mostly just because of the characters. I just want to see more of these characters. The next was, um, I think you should leave season two, uh, was also great as well. Um, 
I think I liked it better than season one. <laughs> uh, I think I'll be honest. I think I liked it better than season one. I really liked the sketch with Bob Odenkirk. That was a fucking hilarious sketch that had me crying. Um, that one reason the diner and he's with his son and Bob Odenkirk's like the guy and like it's yeah. I thought that was brilliant. I thought it was a fucking great sketch. I love the hot dog sketch in, in the uh, the boardroom. Um, yeah, Tim Robinson. Yeah, keep doing what you're doing. I'm loving it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And uh, How To With John Wilson Season 2 was also fucking good as well. Um, better than Season 1. Like, I cannot believe, I can't even fathom how much footage this man has. And then to make a narrative out of that. And not even making it so obvious, but subtly slipping in so many different things and so many, like, um, thoughts about life and society and, and how... Um, how you should live and yeah, it's just really makes you think and it's just such a fucking great show. So, um, how to tell John Wilson, uh, if you haven't even seen it, uh, I'd definitely recommend it. Season one was good. It was funny. Like I had funny things here and there, but it had a really great episode. Um, the scaffolding one from season one's really good, but season two just blew me away, man. There was like four episodes where I was like, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> like this is, so good. Unfortunately, there's only six episodes, but you know, it's, it's easy to understand because he has so much footage to comb through of just him scouring New York City. Um, and then season two deals with the pandemic as well, so that was um, a lot of fun to watch as well. But yeah, another great season of How to with John Wilson. Um, i got to keep watching the show, and if you haven't seen it yet, definitely get on to that. And um, I just want to say, without even seeing the last two episodes as well, I haven't seen those yet, but... Look, Always Sunny, in, Always Sunny in Philadelphia season 15 uh, has been really good too. I think it's been – I liked it better than the last season. You could make a point that they're getting a little political. But the, the thing is they've always been a political show. I just think they've been, been a bit more out there with it now. And But the humor is still working, I, I think. The, the characters are still working because it's all about the characters. And at the end of the day, they're still making the humor about the characters. And that is when comedy really, really works. When it's about your characters, when it's character-driven, that is when I think comedy works. And Rob McElhinney, um, Glenn Howitz, and Charlie Day are still, in a fucking doing, still doing a fucking fantastic job 15 seasons later. And um, the way they went with this season, I really liked. I liked what they're doing. And I'm, apparently, I'm going to like how it ends too. So um, big ups for that. And I just want to quickly, just quickly mention, just quickly, quickly mention, uh, Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop. Uh, look, it did get cancelled after one season, but I didn't mind the show. I don't know if I'm in the minority here, but I didn't mind the show. I thought the casting was dead on, um, especially, um, I think it was Mustafa, Mustafa Shakir as Jet. Um, just fucking awesome. So good. It's just Jet. It's just it was awesome. It's just it's just Jet in live action. Um, I myself watched and finished uh, Cowboy Bebop this year as well, and uh, yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. And um, the live action look, it wasn't. I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't think I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, yeah, like I said, the casting again, Mustafa Shakir, Daniel Planeta as uh, um, as Faye. I thought it was great. I thought she was great. Um, she had the right snarkiness for the for the character of Faye. Um, and John Cho as, uh, as uh, Spike. Again, I thought he was good. I thought he was really good. <laughs> Is that just me? I don't know. Um, 
yeah, I can agree with everyone else that the Julia and Vicious stuff was fucking boring. And I really wanted to just get back to the Bebop, like, after just seeing them. I, I, I really... Like, I understand that they wanted to flesh everything out and then we got, you know, Ballad of the Fallen Angels at the end of the show, but... The, dude, the, the, whenever they went to, to Vicious and Julia, I just did not fucking care. I don't know if it was the performances, the way the scenes were structured or anything, or... I just really didn't care. It really bored the fucking shit out of me. And then I just wanted to get back to our, you know, zany adventures with the with the crew, with the Bebop. And, um, yeah, but i got to say, the strength of the whole show is Mustafa Shakira as Jet because not only is Jet, like, he's great as Jet, Jet gets a little bit of character development in, in this uh, live-action season as well. And I'm not going to mention what it is, but I enjoyed what he got. And, uh, yeah. I would have been happy to, if I'm if I had to, um, you know, put myself out there. Um, I'd be happy to see a season two of the show um, anywhere else. I guess um, it just sucks that Netflix was hyping this up for so long, and you know, I know that Netflix properties don't really work out that well sometimes, but it just sucks that they were hyping this up, and there was so many like uh, I thought the trailer was good. I thought the whole cast announcement was good, and we finally saw Iron. I, I feel like they could have given them a season two because um, they had all the right ingredients. I just think they were just trying to find their footing and I think they would have done well in season two, in my opinion. But um, that's just me. That's just what I what I thought. I know a lot of people think the same, but it definitely has a lot of people that are against it as well and don't ever want to see this set a lot of day again. So that kind of sucks, but um, I enjoyed what I got. I'll say that. I enjoyed what I got. And uh, moving on to animated, uh, why did I say it like that? Uh, moving on to animated, uh, we got My Hero Academia season five, which I thought was, you know, it was pretty slow, but I think it was good for the, you know, the character development. I mean, I, I thought it was good for the tension because they're obviously building up to something big in season six, and I liked the turn it took at the last kind of half of the season when we got a shine on the villains and more definitely more uh, development and backstory on Shigaraki who has definitely become a much more compelling villain. And um, seeing all them interact with each other um, twice this episode, I thought was good too. And uh, I'm excited for season six. I, I'm i pretty much in the minority again, where I thought the season was, in terms of the first half, I thought it was, you know, it was good. But then I thought it was right good in, in, the, in the, last, um, the last half there with the villain stuff. I thought that was good. And um, whatever's coming in season six, I am very much ready for. And Rick and Morty also had uh, season five, which, uh, yeah, again, was kind of hit and miss. Um, the episode six, I think it was, was, yeah, one of the worst sh- episodes of the whole show. Um, yeah, it was kind of hit and miss, but I liked the ending. I liked how we're kind of going back to that storyline, I think, again. Um, but, you know, I had a laugh. I enjoyed myself. I thought it was fine. And um, I'm enjoying the the Entertainment District arc of Demon Slayer at the moment. Uh, we're not finished with it yet, but um, I've up to date at the moment, and um, I really enjoyed the last episode. But what happened there? And like, I don't know if this episode, this arc is going to end this quickly. It feels like it's going to, but and I don't know where they're going to go after this. Uh, but yeah, it, just, it kind of sucks as well. I know this is just for the structure of the whole show and everything, and I understand, but it just kind of sucked that the whole kind of first 
seven episodes of the show was dedicated to Mugen Train, which was already a movie that came out um, this year. And I'll be talking about that in the YouTube video in part two. But yeah, it kind of sucks that, you know, that kind of like a bit of the season was given to that. Uh, but, you know, I understand. I understand for the structure of the show. This is what anime does. Apparently, this is what I've been told. I'm not too <laughs> sure about it, but this is what I've been told. Uh, but I'm enjoying the Entertainment District Arc at the moment. I'm having fun of it. And the sound hush show is great. And uh, just seeing everyone again, Tanjiro, Inosuke, and uh, Zenetsu, seeing them all again has been great. Uh, and then the, finally, the best animated thing by far I watched this year um, was Invincible Season 1. And when I, when I tell you that I had... Like, I was excited because I've been following, like, the casting and, and everything um, for a while. I didn't know it was adapted from a comic until, like, I really got started reading about it before Season 1 premiered. But... Um, and I'm, I'm so glad, I'm so glad I didn't read the comic or anything because episode one kind of starts off and it's it's, like, it's almost like a false sense of security where it's just like, oh, this show is just kind of bland, the animation's kind of weird, um, not really much is happening. The voice cast is doing their best, but it's nothing much is happening. And then you get to the last 10 minutes and you're, I'm not even kidding. One of the best TV experiences I've had all, all year last year was watching the last 10 minutes of Invincible episode one and my god (laughs) like what happens in that last 10 minutes just absolutely left my jaw on the floor i was gobsmacked i was blown blown away i was i was like just when i say jaw was on the floor it was on the floor it was through it it was through the floor uh it was holy hell and then the show after that and the relationship between um, Omni-Man and uh, Nolan and uh, Tim. And uh, Stephen Yun as uh, Mark, I think, is uh, also... Uh, the voice cast is great. And uh, where the show goes after um, episode one, uh, you know, it was... Um, I think it was good, and then you get to the last episode, and then you're like, holy shit. This is just on another level. <laughs> this is just, like, on another fucking level, man. Like, I didn't expect the last episode to go in that direction. I mean, you'd be kind of expecting it throughout the whole show, but, like, not like that, man. Like, not like that. <laughs> and, oh, I was just... It's just... It was just so, um, it's just so visceral. It's just, that is the word I think I'd use, just visceral. And um, it just really shoots, like, shoots something through you when you watch something like that. And um, I'm not even going to read the comic. My housemate has the comic, but I'm not even going to read the comic. I'm going to watch the show first, I think, and read the comic afterwards because I just want to be, I just want to keep having these moments where I'm just surprised around every corner. And, um, yeah, I, wow, what a show, what a fucking show, can't wait for season two. And then I couldn't play, you know I couldn't, you know I couldn't, uh, I mean, this is probably the first time I've talked about it on, on here, but anyone who's watching, any, any sorry, any any uh, any mates who's listening to this right now, you know I couldn't leave TV with talking about Succession. 
Uh, and we've just finished, we've just wrapped up season three of Succession. This is another TV show that I got into in 2021. And by fucking God, it is amazing. It is incredible. Uh, the cast, the writing, um, everything about it. <laughs> like, what do you <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> like, everything about this fucking show is just so good. Oh, my God, it's like a gourmet meal. Um, yeah, wow. Like, I didn't even, I didn't even know where to begin. I'm not going to tell you anything about, like, everything about the show, but I just want to say that season three, I liked season one, like, I really liked season one. I loved season two, and then season three was interesting because it didn't feel like the last two seasons, but it really, at the same time, it was, like, kind of the same, the, the same tension, the same thing, and then you get to that finale, and then you're just like, fuck, holy shit, this is why this show is amazing, oh my god, like... Bro. <laughs> it's like, I can't. I can't. Oh, fuck. Um, yeah, wow. What a, what a fantastic show. Season three was so good. What a fantastic show. This show is fucking amazing. Um, I can only dream to write a show like this. I can only dream to write a show like this with his, with characters like this, with interactions, with with dynamics like this, with characters. Oh my god, every character, every character. I'm not even kidding. Every character, the the Tom and Greg and 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 Kendall, Logan, Shiv. Like you you put a someone with someone, and they're always going to work. Like they're always going to work, and it's always interesting to watch that dynamic between those characters. Jesse Armstrong, what what do you want? <laughs> uh, anyway, f- fucking point is, Succession is a great show. You should really watch it. Um, it's only in its third season. I think Armstrong said it's only going to go for like five or six seasons. And you know, I you know I could see an end in sight here. I don't know where it's going to end. I don't even want to know where it's where it's going to end and who's going to end up. I guess on top, but. I'm going to keep watching. You know that for damn sure. I'm going to keep watching. Okay, and finally, just to wrap everything up, I just want to talk about just the movies that I still want to highlight them, but they just didn't make uh, they just didn't make the uh, the short list. So, uh, but I still really want to highlight these movies because I had fun with them. I still had fun with them, and I thought they uh, they're they're worth watching. In my opinion. Uh, so I first, these are not in any order, um, any release date or anything like that. They're not in any order, but I just want to, um, I'm just going to talk about them anyway. Next, I want to talk about The Night House. I was going to talk about this in my Horror October recap, but The Night House, um, starring Rebecca Hall, directed by David Bruckner, was just a solid movie. Really, really solid movie. Um, Rebecca Hall's performance, I think, was one of the best performances of the year. Just the stuff that she had to go through, the stuff that she had to convey. Um, it's a very tense movie. It's weird at times. I don't think it fully works at times. Um, the jump scares really fucking piss me off. But um, when it does work, it does work. And I just want to highlight the lighting in this movie as well. And the cinematography by Elisha Christian was uh, just gorgeous, man. Just fucking gorgeous. Um, there's a scene near the end 
where it's playing with perspectives and angles of the house. And I just fucking, I thought it was genius. I fucking loved it. It was so good. Uh, so if you ever get a chance to watch The Night House, if you want something spooky, something tense, uh, definitely check out The Night House. It's, 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 uh, you won't waste your time with that one. Uh, and some two action movies, some two kick-ass, uh, badass um, woman fronted movies, fronted action movies. Uh, Kate with uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I thought it was a fun ride. I thought it was great. Um, even though, you know, the story is a little predictable, but I thought the action was good. I like Neon Soap Tokyo. That is my jam. Yes. And blood and violence within Neon Soap Tokyo. Yes, please. Thank you very much. And uh, Gump had a milkshake as well with uh, Karen Gillan, Lena Hetty, um, uh, uh, I think it was Carl Gugino, I think, was in that as well. Um, was also fun. Um, funny at times as well, the scene where um, Gillan's character has the uh, her hands in the uh, the the, uh, the tape and around the, around the chair and, like, all that because I think her arms have been, like, shot with some sedative or something and I thought the physical comedy there from Karen Gillan was, was, was really good. Um, I enjoyed it. And it's just a fun action movie. Again, it's on Netflix. You're not going to waste your time with it. Gun Pat Milkshake. Check it out. Sensor, uh, which I talked about Sensor before, but um, that's also a good horror movie. The more I think about it, the more I like it. There are some things that don't work. Um, like immediately after I watched it, I was still kind of lukewarm on it, but the more I thought about it, the more I was kind of just engrossed by it. And I uh, just want to give that a shout out. Sensor. Good movie. Uh, Quiet Bliss Part 2, which I did talk about on the horror podcast as well. I thought it was a good solid follow-up to the first one. Tick, Tick, Boom, um, directed by Lim Mel Miranda, his first time behind the camera. And Andrew Garfield giving a, in my opinion, um, and I think everyone else's opinion at the moment as well, but this is, this, this is probably going to change for me, but I just want to say it anyway. The Oscar-winning performance of the year with uh, Tick, Tick, Boom playing Jonathan Larson, um, the the playwright who um, was most famously um, was most famous for writing Rent and creating Rent, and uh, his whole performance in that movie is heartbreaking and very, very fucking good. He's a good singer too, and um, I enjoyed some of the music in that one, especially the uh, the relationship song with Vanessa Hudgens. I thought was a big highlight from that movie. Um, but I'd like to see Andrew take home the Oscar um, this year. And, uh, yeah, it'd be really cool if it happened. My Hero Academia World Heroes Mission uh, was also entertaining as well. Not as good as uh, Heroes Rising, which I think is the best that they've done so far in terms of that. But, um, you know, it's still a compelling movie, um, compelling story for Deku as well. Um, I just, I just don't think the only thing that my, I, yeah, problem with is two heroes and heroes rising. I think I will just watch again and like I, I can return to, but there's just nothing about heroes mission that I just want to watch again. So that's just, you know, this is what I thought, but uh, there's just nothing about it that i just want to watch again. Maybe one of the fight scenes, but like heroes rising, I would probably watch that whole movie again. I mean, I, I know the fight scenes and, and some of the scenes towards the end are just amazing, but the whole movie again, the whole the whole story in that in that movie is good too, and and the same with two heroes. But uh, yeah, this one I just uh, didn't grab me as much as the other two. But you know, still still good, still some solid work. Uh, one of the other big events that happened this year, which I thought was was good, I didn't mind it. 
was uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League or the Snyder Cut of Justice League, the four-hour behemoth. Um, look, I, I'm i not going to lie. I watched it when it premiered and then I've watched it twice. <laughs> I've watched it twice now. Um, I still think it's like Zack Snyder, hollow kind of the way he makes movies is just not my thing kind of, you know, that happened. Um, but... He got what you know. He got to do what he wanted to do. Um, I think it's very fucking rare that we see something like that. It'd be really cool if we saw more filmmakers get that chance. It's not just big ones like Steiner, but smaller ones as well. Um, I mean, really, everyone should get that chance to make you know make their vision come true. But at the same time, like I can see why this wouldn't have done well in the theaters. It's fucking four hours long. Um, but that being said, again, it's fucking miles better than the Joss Whedon cut which is just fucking awful garbage in my opinion um but which is just awful garbage in my opinion and uh yeah I like I said I watched it twice so I must have liked some of it (laughs) and it's fucking the cut's four hours long so um and then uh, another finally, another little final little special mention I want to give out is uh, Malignant. Yeah, Malignant, that one. Uh, polarizing movie. You're giving it a hate it or are you going to love it? And I had a fucking great time of it. I loved it. Um, it was so funny to see James Wan take Warner Brothers' money and make something like Malignant. And I know he said it was like a tribute to like B-horror movies and and especially the Giallo era of um, Argento films. But man, man, no, I was not expecting something like that. Like that was, that was crazy. (laughs) Like that last act, man, when, when, you know, when uh, shit starts going down inside that fucking cop station. Holy hell. Like I was not expecting anything like that. So entertaining. One of the most entertaining movies I saw last year was Malignant. And, um, you know, the stuff leading up to it is fine, I guess. Um, The acting is atrocious. But how it is presented and how it comes together in the end is very well worth the watch. And it's not that long either. It's not that long. So you can get through it. Like, you can kind of cringe at everything before him. But when you get to that second act... And things start going a little bananas. Uh, I can guarantee that you're going to have a fucking good time with it. And if you don't, that's fine. But if you want this like B movie action schlock, holy hell, Malignant is the movie to uh, check out. In my opinion, <laughs> it's, it was wow, um, great time. Great time was had by Kyle, and a great time should be had by all. And that about wraps it up, everyone. Thank you for listening to part one of the uh, the whole list. I mean, I can't even call it list podcast. It's just a whole list thing, uh, segment, uh, event, I guess, of the year. Um, check out all those things that I talked about. They're all, I mean, they're there for a reason. So that's why I'm talking about them. I, I think they're all great. Um, I finally want to just say again, please watch Succession. It's, it's amazing. It's a great show. Please watch it. And uh, <laughs> I will, uh, I will see you. Actually, I will see you in uh, part two of the uh, of this list thing, and uh, you'll get my top ten films and my honorable mentions there. There's a lot more films I want to talk about, 
and I've still some films I need to see. So that I don't think will be out for maybe a week or so. I'm hoping to get this out by the end of this week, maybe the early next week. But um, I'll I'll keep you all in the loop when that's coming out. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about is um, my sister and I did a Euphoria podcast where we talked about the season one. Um, where we talked about the first season of the HBO show Euphoria. We actually sat down, talked in depth about the first four episodes of season one of that show because season two is premiering uh, January 10th, next next week. That's not long away, and I'm very fucking excited for that. And I was so excited and super pumped to sit down with my sister to talk about season one because it's an excellent show and deserves all the hype it's getting. Uh, so if you want to listen to us talk about Euphoria, that is also going to be up on Spotify and on podcast wherever else you get your podcasts and um this will be up there as well so do check that out if you're into that show or if you want to um or if you want to get deeper you want to get deeper about euphoria and you want to get in the conversation of it um check it out um would really really appreciate it anyway thank you for listening take it easy hope you had a great new year and um i'll see you actually i'll bloody see you (laughs) and then i'll i'll see you in part two